Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. How are we doing this morning? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to wake up a little bit. Uh, my voice sounds like... So uh, we're just going to go with it, though. And uh, if my voice cracks, it's not second puberty. It's a head cold. And so um, good morning. Welcome to Gwinnett Church. My name is Reed, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, so glad that you guys are with us. And I wanted to ask you this morning uh, to think back on all of your Christmases and to think about what was your favorite Christmas gift ever? Favorite one ever? Turn and tell somebody around you. Talk to them. Make a friend or somebody you came with and tell them and surprise them that it wasn't something they gave you. Yeah, favorite one ever. Last night, Uh, as we did this, I said, what was your favorite gift ever? And people were just, I guess, so excited. They just started yelling them out. And uh, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, this is monologue, not dialogue. And so it was, it was, it was funny though. Somebody was yelled out a dog. One person was like my husband. And I was like, okay, happy, happy marriage. Um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about my favorite Christmas gift ever. And, um, and so it was probably when I was, I think I was, I was 11 or 12, um, and, uh, my, I was really into Legos guys and anybody was into Legos as a kid growing up. Yeah. We got some Lego fans. Yeah. Um, uh, some of you were like, no, it's nerdy. I was all playing sports and I'm like, I did that too. And so, um, but I, I, I loved Legos and so I was like, so into Lego and, um, and I specifically wanted this one Lego set, you guys, it was the, uh, Lego Aquanauts. And so it was like this cool new set. And it was like, you know, it looked like submarines, but also space. It was like future, it was like underwater. You know, this is like way before Avatar was doing the water thing. You know, like, so I was like, oh man, this is, this is the set that I want. And I can remember, like I was adamant about it. And so I was, whenever the commercials would come on TV. So back in the day, there were these things called commercials. And, um, and you would, like, and so, and so we would, you know, when the commercials would come on, I would run in the other room. I'd be like, mom, get in here. That, that's the one. That's the gift that I want. I want that one right there. That, see how happy that kid is? I want to be that kid. And so I would be like, we, I, like, I need these Lego Aquanauts. And then the catalogs would come in the mail and they would have, you know, all the Christmas things that were being sold at all the different stores. And my brother and I, we would go through the catalogs and we would circle the things that we wanted so that mom did not buy the thing that we don't want. You know what I mean? Like, and so we're circling the things that we want and I would circle that Lego set and I would put it on the fridge. I'm like, mom, that's the thing that I want. Don't forget it. Lego, say it with me. Aquanaut, mom. Aquanaut, mom. And so I had to make sure she said it right, you know? And so I'm making it like abundantly clear that this is the gift that I want. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that Christmas was going to be a Lego extravaganza. And, um, and it was just not for me. And, um, and so that year, you guys, my, uh, my family decided to go and celebrate Christmas. We only did this a couple times growing up, but we went to celebrate Christmas, um, with my mom's side of the family down in Florida. 
And so we go down there and we're staying with my, with my uncle and my cousin and we're staying at their house and we get up that morning on Christmas morning. Can't wait to go and see what Santa brought us and open up the presents that our parents got us. And so we, we, we run out there and there are these three stacks of, of presents. And uh, I don't know what Santa does at your house. At our house, Santa doesn't wrap them. He's just like, he just leaves them, right? I guess he's in a hurry. And so... And so there's these three stacks of presents, right? And, and, and so I see one of the stacks has all these Legos. And I'm like, yes. And I'm sprinting over, you know, to the, to the stack of Legos. And, uh, and my, my uncle and my mom, they're like, no, 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 no. Those are your cousins. And I was like, about what? And they guide me over to my stack of presents, and in my stack, there were some good things, to be fair. There were some good things, right? Uh, I had uh, a starter jacket, which you guys, uh, anybody that was in the 90s, you know. Some of you are like, starter? Don't they sell that like, at like Walmart? And like, yeah, yeah, but it was really cool, okay? They were really, really cool back in the day. People were getting knifed in the street for starter jackets, okay? The first time I wore my starter jacket, just, just so you guys know, the first time I wore my starter jacket, my mom made me go through this thing. She's like, listen, if somebody like comes at you with, with a gun and asks you for your, just give him the jacket. And I was like, mom, it's not gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, but, but it was like a big deal, right? So there was a, there was a starter jacket. There, I had a boom box. Y'all remember boom boxes? You know what I'm saying? I had a boom box. Like I was run DMC. I'm like, what? Right? 80s baby, but the 90s raised me. And so I was like, what's up? So I'm like, whoa. Like, so I had a, I had a boom box. I had a starter. There were some good things over there. But you guys know this. When you're expecting one thing, even a good thing can look like a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like when you order a Coke, but then they give you sweet tea and you're like, you know, like it tastes terrible. It tastes flat. You're like, what was this? But it was really good sweet tea. That was the way that my Christmas pile of presents looked to me. It looked like trash, right? I was like, what's a jacket? Boom box. You know what I mean? Like, where are my Legos? And so you guys, I, I proceeded to... Um, I proceeded to go full pity party that, that morning and everybody opened presents. And my cousin, he continues to open more presents and you know what he got, more Lego, right? More Lego, he had more Lego. He had so many Legos, he could have built the, another house next door out of Lego, right? Like, so he's got all these and he's just, <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate you. You know what I mean? Like, and so I'm opening my presents and everything just looks terrible to me. And I'm pouting and I'm whining. There might even been some tears. I have been known to be dramatic. And so <laughs> I, I am just like full send pity party. I'm, a, I'm, I'm mad. I'm not playing with any of my presents. I'm just looking at them. And, uh, and then all of a sudden someone says, hey, what's that present? And, uh, and sure enough, kind of behind the tree, there's this one, there's one more like big box and it had been hidden by all the other boxes. And... Uh, and so there's this one other box and my cousin goes running over to it uh, because he thinks it's his and why wouldn't it be at this point, right? And so I'm like, he's running over like this is probably another box of Legos for me, you know? And, uh, and so he gets over, he gets over to the, the box and he goes, oh, Reed, it's got your name on it. And, and at this point, you guys, I am, like I said, I'm in full send pity party. And so I'm like Mopey McMoperson and I am now thinking, I'm like, 
You know what this is? This is probably just a big old box of socks. You know what I mean? Like, I know what my mom did. She's got me more socks. She rolled up underwear and put it in this box and is going to be like, look, a practical gift. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just like, I don't want this. And so I, you know, kind of just shuffle over there, annoyed. I get over to the box. I open it. And, uh, and sure enough, you guys, as I opened it up, my mom, she had remembered the commercials. She had remembered the, what I had circled on all those magazines. And there it was in all of its glory, Lego Aquanauts, right? Like, and, uh, and so I had to uh, remove my head from my rear. You know what I mean? Like at this point, I, I was embarrassed, but also um, I was elated. And, and that, you guys, that might be my favorite. I don't know if it's the best or the most expensive or whatever, but that was my favorite Christmas present ever is that box of Legos. Because right when I thought I wasn't going to get it there, they were, mom came through and, uh, and I had to apologize, but also I played with it a whole, whole lot. So that's my favorite Christmas present ever. Now, I don't know what your favorite Christmas present was, uh, if it was as dramatic as that, if it was the, you know, you got the thing that you'd always been asking for, or maybe, uh, you know, somebody surprised you with something that you didn't know you wanted, but then you got it and you were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I don't know what your favorite Christmas present was. Uh, but this morning, what I'd like to talk about just for a minute is not your favorite Christmas present, but I want to talk about the greatest gift that's ever been given. This morning, I want to talk about the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift that when it was given has inspired all the rest of the giving during this Christmas season. I want to talk about the gift that is Jesus. And I want to talk for a minute about why Jesus is the greatest gift that's ever been given. And I can already feel, I know there are some of you in here and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, pastor. Jesus is the greatest gift ever. And you're like thinking, can he really be that good? Because I don't know, but like it, it, would, it would be really awesome if my spouse would you know, drive up with the car, like in that Mercedes commercial with the bow on it. You know what I mean? That might be the greatest gift. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so you're thinking, can he really be that good? How can he be the greatest gift ever? And I just want to talk for a minute about that. Why we as Christians, why we believe that Jesus really is the greatest gift ever. And to guide our conversation this morning, I want to take you over to a passage of scripture uh, in Isaiah. This is my bookmark. It's um, one of my kids said, Dad, I love you. And uh, I said, I need to remember that sometimes. Because um, <clears throat> they don't always act like it, right? Yeah. Dad, I love you. Get me things. Ugh. So in Isaiah, if we're not familiar with Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet, um, which is somebody who um, in, in antiquity, he would speak to the people on behalf of God. God would speak through a conduit, a prophet. And this guy's name was Isaiah. He's maybe one of the most famous prophets in all of the Old Testament and all of Jewish history is this prophet Isaiah. And he wrote a lot of predictions and a lot of things uh, that, that he foresaw God doing. And one of the things that Isaiah predicted um, was that God would prepare and send a gift in the form of a child. And this, this child would grow up to be the greatest gift that mankind has ever received. And this is what Isaiah says concerning the birth of Jesus. He says in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, he says, for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given 
right? This is Isaiah going, look, God is, I can see it. I can see it. God is preparing a gift and, and it's coming. And he's going to give us the most incredible gift. And he's going to come in the form uh, of this baby boy. He says, but he's not going to be just any baby boy. He says about this child, this gift that God is preparing. He says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Not that God was sending us a politician. Thank God. Yeah, somebody was way too excited about that. Um, Yeah, no more commercials. Um, Not that God was sending us a politician, but that he was saying, hey, all authority, all authority. This kid is gonna have all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he says, and he will be called not specifically a name, but he will be known for. He will be known as. And then he lists some of the characteristics, some of the character traits that this child will embody and grow up to become. He says he will be called or he will be known for, known as, known by. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Isaiah is predicting this gift that God is going to send. And he says, God has got a gift that he's going to send to us and it's going to be amazing. And he's, he's sending it in the form uh, of a baby boy who will grow up to be a man. And, and this baby boy is going to be so much more than just a, a baby boy. Uh, although that's pretty amazing. He's like, but, but he's like, this, this baby boy is going to grow up to be a wonderful counselor, a guide for those that need guidance someone who will lead people into truth and into the men and women that they were created to be. He's gonna be a wonderful counselor. For those that are seeking and searching, for those in need of direction, he's gonna be a wonderful counselor. This child is not just gonna be a wonderful counselor. He's also going to be mighty God. God's very presence with us through this child. A firm foundation One who is not overwhelmed by the things in life that so often overwhelm us. Someone that is stable when everything around us feels shaky. Someone who is in control when we feel out of control. A mighty God, strong to deliver and mighty to save. Not just a mighty God though, he says he'll also be an everlasting father. For all those that are wondering whether or not uh, God loves them or accepts them, he's going to come and prove to be their father with them. Yes, mighty, but also near and personal, close and relational to protect and to provide. He'll be an everlasting father. And then he says he will be a prince of peace, a prince of peace. And you don't have to look far in our world to see how desperate we are, all of us, for peace. You just turn on the news. And you can see a world that is in desperate need for peace. Some of you don't even have to go that far. All you gotta do is just look at yourself. And you sense the unrest, and you sense the chaos, and you sense the stress and the anxiety, and you know in your heart, I need that peace. And Isaiah says, God's sending it in the form of this child. He's gonna be the greatest gift ever. He's gonna be a a wonderful counselor, 
a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace, not just to give you peace of mind, but also to bring us to peace with God because of our sin, you guys. Sin is something that all of us have and all of us participate in. Sin separates us relationally from a holy God, and it separates us from one another. And try as we might, we cannot close that gap. But Isaiah says there's a prince of peace coming, and through his life and his death and his resurrection, he will make peace, he will forgive sin, and he will bring us back into peace with God, and he will enable there to be peace between one another, and he will provide you peace in your own heart and mind. And you guys, that, what Isaiah talked about, what Isaiah prophesied, that is what makes Jesus the greatest gift ever. Because I don't know about you, but if we're being really, really honest, what you and I really need, what we really need does not fit in a stocking and it will not fit under a tree. What you and I desperately need, what you and I desperately need does not fit in a stocking or under a tree. What what I need, what I need is a wonderful counselor. Because y'all, I'm just being honest with you. I don't always know what to do. I don't always know where to go. I don't always know what's true. I don't always know how to be the best husband that I can be. I don't always know how to be the best dad I can be. And I fail and fall short and I am in need of a wonderful counselor to guide me. I'll tell you what I need. I need a mighty God. I need a mighty God because y'all, things in life, situations and circumstances can get so chaotic and out of control. And there are things that happen that feel uncertain. And when, and when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I need a mighty God who is not overwhelmed by the things that are overwhelming me. I need a firm foundation that I can stand on. I need a mighty God. I need an everlasting father. On the days where I feel unlovable or unloved, where I wonder if because I've failed and fallen short, if there's any place for me in the family of God, I need the love and the kindness and the acceptance of an everlasting father, the unconditional love of an everlasting father, the protection and the provision of an everlasting father. I need you guys, a prince of peace. I need a prince of peace when I fail and fall short. I need a prince of peace when my relationships feel strained and broken. I need a prince of peace when, the own, when my own unrest in my mind and in my heart has me rattled. I need a prince of peace. This is what makes Jesus the greatest gift ever because what you and I desperately need cannot fit in a stocking or under a tree. What we desperately need is what Isaiah says God is sending us in the form of this baby boy. Now, Isaiah predicted that and then 700 years go by and finally, after 700 years, God delivers that gift. He delivers on his promise, right? Which is good news. It reminds us, you know, after a long season of waiting, for those of us that are in a season of waiting where we wonder if God's going to answer, it reminds us that our waiting is not wasted, 
that God works in our waiting. It reminds us that when God feels silent, that he is not absent. And it reminds us that he delivers on his promise. It may not be in the timing that we would prefer, but he always delivers on his promise. And so God does. And he delivers us the greatest gift ever in the form of a baby boy. And I want to read to you the account of that first Christmas. This is how Luke, who was a a friend of Peter, who actually knew Jesus and walked with him, Luke records this first Christmas and the events surrounding it. And this is what he says. This is in Luke chapter two. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, don't know if that's how it is, but whenever you come to a name that you don't know in the Bible, just say it strong and confidently and you'll be good. While Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was, pl- uh, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those in whom, on whom his favor rests. So God promised us a gift, the greatest gift ever given. And he delivers on that promise. And on the night that he delivers on that promise, you guys, all of heaven erupts with praise right? Angels burst onto the scene. They begin to declare the good news. They're going to anyone and everyone that they can, even to the lowliest. They go first to the lowliest, the least, and the last. They go to the shepherds, and they begin declaring this good news of God's uh, delivered gift of his arrival in the form of Jesus. And, And they're singing, and you can just tell there is just there is great joy. Heaven gets it. It realizes what's happened. And yet earth seems ignorant, doesn't it? Heaven realizes what's just happened and celebrates, but earth seems ignorant. And, and nowhere is that more evident than if you go back up a, a couple verses in the story, God has delivered the greatest gift ever. And look what it says. It says, while they were there, this is in verse six, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
God has delivered the greatest gift ever. The gift that you and I, whether we wanted it or not, we desperately needed, he's delivered it. This promised child, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace, and he shows up on the scene. And on the night that he shows up, you guys, there is no room available for him. No room. No welcome wagon, no red carpet, no inauguration party. No room available for them. This entire Advent season, all of December, the season of preparation when we get ready for Christmas, uh, I've been reading through the Christmas story, trying to reflect on it. Also, there's this pressure you guys that pastors have to try to say something new to you on Christmas, but we're like, look, he's born. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so you've been digging into this story and y'all, this verse though, I haven't been able to get past it. Because I feel like as I was reading that, you know, heaven was ready, earth was ignorant, there's no room available for this great gift. And I can't help but think as I was reflecting on it in my own life, you guys, that so often my own heart and my own life looks a lot like that in. I'll explain what I mean. So often in my own life, right, God has this amazing gift that he wants to deliver to me in the person of Jesus. He has all this peace and all this joy and all this hope, all this security, all this satisfaction, all this freedom that he wants to deliver me in the person of Jesus. And so often in my own life though, it, my own heart, it's too crowded and too cluttered for me to receive him and to enjoy him. And chances are, if you're being honest, chances are the same is true of you. So often we can find our lives too crowded and too cluttered and Jesus comes and he wants to enter in, but there's no room available for him. And what's amazing about Jesus is he will not force his way in. He did not barge into Bethlehem on that night and demand that space be made. And he will not barge into your life and demand that you make room. As a matter of fact, later, as a grown man, Jesus would say about himself, he says, no, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and I'll be with you, but I will not break down the door and I will not force my way in. I have all authority, but I am humble and gentle. And this is the way Jesus is. And so often in my own life, Jesus stands at the door knocking and my reply from behind the shut door is no, Jesus, not now. Don't you know how busy things are? Work is crazy. I know I work for you, but it's crazy. Work is crazy. Marriage is crazy. Life is crazy. My kids just started sports. Jesus, didn't you know that? Like I got like four practices a week in games. I'm busy, come back later. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks and we yell from behind the closed door and we say, Jesus, not now, it's not a good time. Don't you know I'm hurting? Don't you know this is a hard season for me? Don't you know what I've been through? Don't you know what I've lost? My heart is too full of grief. It's too full of pain. It's too full of anger. 
You've got no room here. Come back later. He stands at the door and he knocks. And we say, Jesus, you don't want to come in here. It's a mess. I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm still struggling with some stuff. Let me clean up first. Come back later when I look more put together. And Jesus stands and he knocks and he says, don't you know, I've got grace for that. Don't you know I've got healing for that? Don't you know I've got peace for that? If you would just open the door and let me in. He will not break in. He will not barge in. He stands and he knocks, waiting for us to receive the gift. God has delivered us a great gift, the best gift, more than we could ask or think or imagine in the person of Jesus. The question is, is there room in your heart to receive him? I had the privilege of being in Oxford, uh, not Mississippi, the classier one uh, in England. I know. <laughs> I was in Oxford, England recently and uh, with, a, with a group of pastors and we were there to study and to learn. And um, while we were there, we, we visited some, some of these older churches and got to attend a, a Christmas service, a carol service. Um, and... And the, the pastor, they're not called pastors, they're called vicars, right? Vicar, I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool name. I'm just read at my church. And so um, the vicar, right? He gets up and he, he shares a short message. And in the message, he shared something that I wanted to share with you. He shared about his daughter's nativity play. And uh, the nativity play, um, his daughter got to be Mary. So I'm like, big deal, right? And... Uh, and so he was excited about it. They were excited about it. But all the parents in the school were worried because all the kids were getting parts. And there was one kid who's like the class clown, like the wild card, the one that everybody's like, oh, what is he gonna do? And, um, and he got a part with a, with a speaking part, right? He had one line. He was the innkeeper. And this is the kid that, he's, he's one line he's supposed to say, there's no room, like you'll have to go somewhere else. This is his line, right? And everybody's like, man, I wonder what he is gonna do, you know? And you're also sort of like, if you're, if you're not his parents, you're sort of like hoping for a little chaos, you know? Because nativity plays can be a little predictable. So you're like kind of hoping for that moment like in, uh, in Home Alone 2 where uh, Buzz and Kevin have the thing and everybody just falls over and the lady falls off the stage and you're like, yes, this is worth it. And so you're kind of hoping for that. So everybody's like kind of secretly like, I don't know what he's gonna do. It's scary, but also awesome. And so... You're wondering what's going to happen with this kid. Gets to the night of the play. This guy's watching his daughter. She goes up. It's a little cardboard in that they've made. They knock on the door. The kid opens the door. Everybody holds their breath. <laughs> he says his line, probably in a cute British accent. He says his line, hey, there's no room for you. You have to go somewhere else. He shuts the door. But he's like, okay. He did it. His parents are like, oh, thank God. You know. He hits his line. And then Mary and Joseph start to walk away. Sad music playing like right now. You know what I mean? So they're walking away. All of a sudden, this kid 
burst back through. He burst back through the cardboard and you know, his dad's going, no, you know, like there's that moment you're like, no, can't be right. Like he's going to ruin it. And what they thought was going to be a disruption ended up being you guys, uh, the message that night because the kid burst through and he had tears streaming down his face. And he goes, don't go, wait. You can stay with me. You can stay in my room. I'll sleep on the floor. And when he told that story, you guys, I just thought to myself, that kid got it. He got it. He saw it for what it was. God has delivered us the most amazing gift. And he's worth making room for. He's worth inviting in. Don't let it pass. He's worth welcoming in. He's worth slowing down for. He's worth considering or reconsidering. He's the most amazing gift. He won't force himself on you. He'll stand at the door and he'll knock, waiting. And if you'll have him, he'll come in. And with his presence, he'll bring all the peace, all the joy, all the hope, all the love, all the grace, all the forgiveness that you could ever need, all wrapped in his presence. So the question is, will there be room Will you make room? Will you open the door where Jesus stands knocking, ready to deliver to you the greatest gift ever? His presence, restored relationship with God, life full, free, and forever with him. A gift is available to you if you'll have him, if you'll receive him. I'm gonna pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. I pray we don't miss it. He's the greatest, the greatest gift that's ever been given. So I just pray, God, right now, you would help us to pause, make space in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds to receive this amazing gift. Yeah. Even right now, as I pray, would you just begin helping us to prepare room. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.